Um, hi, girl. Hey, girl. Girl, what are we talking about today? All right. But, like, talking, honestly, what are we talking about today? We are talking about, this episode is called Queen of the County. Queen season of the tw- County. <laughs> season 23, episode 43. Joshy Manks is coming in hot. It lurks here on this storied family estate, a mystery as tangled and gnarled as the trees that reach for the sky. I think she's dead. It eats at me. I can't sleep most of the time. A crime like a storm. Everyone could see it coming. Everybody in the town has their suspicions. She was missing. The matriarch with a grip on her powerful family's fortune. Did someone have a powerful motive? To do her harm. I saw bruises on Bonnie's arms, like somebody had grabbed her. She looked at him and said, you tried to kill me. Who was behind this? A search in the dark. Right there. It's all right. It's all right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. A secret in the family and a jailhouse interview to make your jaw drop. You said you wished you were dead, and then later she became dead. This is a twisted tale deep in the heart of Texas. People who are desperate will do desperate things. Joshy Manx is coming in hot. You're absolutely right. He goes... In this country, we've always loved power and money and the struggle to get our hands on both. Now, Josh Mankiewicz is going to spend the entire episode trying to convince himself that this is exactly like the television show Dallas. Except with less glitz and less glamour. Yeah, and also, for example, it does not take place in Dallas. We're in San Saba, Texas, but he keeps referencing Dallas. (laughs) That's true. And And it's like, Josh, anything you need to do to get through it, I I couldn't agree more. Josh is a little loosey-goosey in this one, too. Like (laughs) He can't really believe it. I know. But you know what, Josh? It's the nature of the beast in your line of work. A lot of these you know? stories are outlandish. Shame, you, you know? know? So, right, we're in San Saba, Texas, and we're talking about the Harkey family, and they learned how to make money grow on trees. Joshy loved. I, I because know. it's true. It is true. They're like, they're pecan farmers. We're doing pecan, pecan right? Well, pecan? I was saying pecan. I think that's I don't know. Okay, great. This is a thing. <laughs> I know. That I know. Well, but Here's everyone the, here said pecan. All right, we'll go with pecan, but I have questions about this. Do okay. people still eat these? Because the pecans are the nuts I work around in the bowl of mixed nuts at Thanksgiving. I'm really only there for the walnuts. I can't remember a time I've ever had use for a pecan. No. But these people <laughs> like made their fortune. pie, I guess? I guess. Yeah. But these people have made their fortune from it. So, like, there, I'm, yeah, I'm sure the pie and like jam, perhaps. <laughs> Pe- pecan jam? Is there, I don't know. I don't think if so. If you could put it in a pie, can't you make it a jam? I guess. Strawberry pie, strawberry jam. Pecan cake? Cherry pie, yeah. I guess. I guess. Well, we learned about Bonnie Harkey. She's the matriarch of the family. She controls the family fortune. Well, I always say she was queen of the county because she was. she really was a big fish in a small pond. And by local standards, very wealthy. By local standards, sure. They were so prominent, in fact, that the Harky name is carved on monuments, painted on road signs in San Saba. The Harky name is on all these, like, monuments, these old, old monuments in Texas. And I'm like, what kind of monuments? I, that's a good question. That's a very fair question. Like, monuments that we're arguing over? Uh Uh-huh. Today? I don't know. I mean, we see some, and it's mostly, like, a name on a wall of a building. Sure. You know what I mean? What kind of building? Good question. Do you know what I mean? No, this is a fair question. But Teresa, the niece, is the one who tells us they always called Bonnie the queen of the county the queen of the county. county i made up that song i before we started recording fam i made that up and, and it's stay it's sticking yeah, it's, it's stuck fuck it's here forever now i, I can't queen find of it the county queen, queen of, of the county, county. Ooh, <laughs> did we just like land on that <laughs> did something just happen they say the family was very wealthy by local standards. Yeah, and they came to Texas in the 1850s, these yes. two brothers, and they have, like, a proud family history. And... It's pretty cool. Like, the brothers were scouts. They were kind of like Lewis and Clark oh. a little bit. And yeah. They, and, 
Sure. <laughs> Come on, private school. You know who they are. <laughs> I had ADHD. I didn't retain a I know. single fucking thing. I know, I know I nothing. Know. Well, Lewis and Clark were explorers. Yes, and I'm they, glad I knew. Like these guys, and they came upon this area of Texas. Dwight Harkey says all the Harkeys descended from two brothers who came to the hill country in the 1850s. Well, there was two boys that came, and they were cavalry scouts. And they found this country, and nobody lived here. They took this land and turned it into a pecan farm, and they all got rich. They all got rich. So Bonnie Harkey is 85 years old. You yeah. could set her watch to her going to church. Correct. And everyone knew her. And I'm like, well, yeah, she was the rich old lady who had been there for almost 100 years. I'm sure everyone knows who Bonnie is. And she seems just, like, lovely. Everyone loved her. We meet Reverend Sam Crosby, and he's just, like, everyone knew her. Everyone loved her. She's yeah. lived in this, you know, they, they kind of describe this family as, like, town royalty. Right. So Because she's queen of the county, <laughs> queen, queen of, of the county. county. <laughs> what are we doing? I don't know. Can I ask you one question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What exactly I are don't know. we doing? I don't know. Just like in general. I, just like, Do you in, know what I'm asking? Ge- like, now I understand the question. It is a <laughs> fair question. I don't know what we're doing. Great, because I don't either. And if you knew and I didn't, yeah. I'd be concerned. No, but if we, we are both don't wandering. Know, we've been wandering around lost together for almost seven years now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Great. Holding hands, jumping right just, off that cliff. You know, and we'll just, then there's another cliff and then we just jump right <laughs> off that one. Great. So we're told that trouble began a few hours after church out at the Harkey place. It's 5.30 p.m. We hear this 911 call and we never get enough information about this. It's an 11-year-old boy saying, I found my mother on the floor and I think she's dead. The most heartbreaking words I've ever heard. This 11-year-old kid is trying to keep it together. He says, I'm at the Harkey residence. And we learned that this 11-year-old kid's mother was Karen Johnson, who was Bonnie, the lady, the queen of the county. Yeah. Her caretaker. Yeah. And the boy is like, he's remarkably composed to the yeah, point that I, I was know. like, oh God, are we looking at this kid for having done this? Oh, no, no, God, no, we no. absolutely aren't. But he says, I'm just really worried and I can't find Bonnie anywhere. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. Now we learn that all the locals listen to the police scanner. Okay. This is like really true. <laughs> religiously. I, no, they all have it turned onto the police scanner and they are all they listen to it for entertainment. But I then guess? they call the cops to get the tea. I know. <laughs> so like we hear it all. Is there somebody loose that I should be? Oh no, no, no. Okay, I'm just was wondering. Yeah. There's all something up there near Miss What's place. going on I over just, at Old Harkley's place? I just heard it on the scanner. Is there a madman on the, the 911 dispatcher? Is like, They're like, no, 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 no John. No. Not again. All right, also, good night, honey. All right, goodbye. Mary Beth. Okay, say good night. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, they're like, what's going on over at the Harkey place? I'm like, you're just listening to... Okay, great. I know. This is not the, this is not the end of the police scanner. It is absolutely just the beginning. So, John Wilkerson was the sheriff's deputy in 2012. Yes. And he's the first one on the scene. And he's like, there are no real signs of a struggle, but there kind of definitely were. Because Karen Johnson's body is laying face down in the doorway, which to me is just like, did somebody summon her to the door? The thing that makes me crazy is we never learn what happens to her son. I know. We nev- they never mention her 11-year-old son ever again. I know. Like, did anybody come and take him? Did he go to live with his dad? Is he, did he go into the foster care system? I really will not stop thinking about this poor, this poor kid who found his mother's dead body. Yeah. 
But we also learn on Karen's body. So we're told there's no sign of a struggle, but she did have a broken fingernail. So there are signs of a struggle. So there's signs of a struggle. And also Bonnie isn't there. Like Bonnie, remember, she's 85 years old. She has dementia. She's in yes. bad health. She needs a caretaker. Her caretaker is here. Her caretaker is dead and Bonnie is nowhere to be found. This is a dangerous situation. And so they're thinking that maybe Bonnie is just out roaming the pecan orchard. Now, for the next 15 minutes of this 36-minute episode, <laughs> they talk about Bonnie missing as though she just wandered away. Right. And I'm like, we have a dead woman. Right. Somebody was killed. Right. Bonnie did not, she was kidnapped. Yeah. She didn't just wander away. And this isn't something, my grandmother had dementia, so it's not like something, oh, she has dementia, oh, maybe she just wandered. No, yeah. no, no. Like, sure, that maybe could happen, but there's also a dead body here. Her caretaker has been killed, so there's much, there's a bigger part of the story. They, they talk about, it's like two separate stories. It's like, oh, the rich lady is missing, and it just, oh, and oh, and by the way, there's a dead body I, Like house. she, like, Karen Johnson's not an afterthought. She's I a know. real person. I and... keep saying, like, why aren't we getting any more information on the murder of Karen Johnson? Yeah. Oh, my God. So, you know, news is traveling through the family. Bruce Harkey is is Bonnie's stepson. He's calling the cops. At, these people have a direct line to the police. I know. Because they're all listening updates. to the police scanner. So they're saying the news is traveling because the entire town's been listening to the police scanner. Right. Everybody knows Bonnie's missing, not from the news, but from the police scanner. Right. And Teresa, the niece, is like, something's up. She says she knew right away her aunt's disappearance was connected to the decades-long battle over the remains of the Harkey fortune. Not home invasion. No. Her family. There's been family drama for yes. decades. It's all about money. Joshie's back to trying to make it all like Dallas. I know. And he's like, you know, and, and I'm just sitting here. I'm like, Josh, I love you, Josh. I'm just saying. But like hateful, selfish families exist all over the world yes. on and off television. Yes. So like, come I on. know. I know. And and like, that's when they're saying like, no, this wasn't a home invasion. This was like right. definitely family drama. And to be fair to Joshie. This is like a wild group of people. So you can have it. You can try to make the connection to the show Dallas. Because we come out of the ad break and Joshi Manx is going, if the Harkies of San Saba were ever made into a television drama, it would be chock full of character actors. There'd be a gentleman farmer. Picture goes by. (laughs) A pair of impatient heirs in waiting. Pictures go by. A 'er ne'er-do-well grandson. His enabling girlfriend. Picture, picture. And the rock of the family would be a white-haired matriarch named Bonnie Harkey. Like, he's not right. It does have the makings. But, like, Josh... You love Dallas, right? Yeah, he, like it's his Josh knows show. where what yeah. was it, who shot Jr. Yes. That was the thing. Mm-hmm. Like Josh remembers exactly where he was when he found out who shot Jr. <laughs> well, I think there was like a bit of controversy about that because is there? I don't then know. Who it, like, shot the whole JR. thing ended up being a dream at the end at the beginning of the next season or something. What? <laughs> <laughs> I thought the new was it. There was some other famous show that was a dream. Dallas was all a dream? But Dallas was a dream, but then I think New Heart was also a dream. These are, you by the way... You weren't watching no, Dallas, no, 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 were you? No, 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 no. These are both shows that are before my time. Yeah. But, like, the but Patrick like, Duffy in the shower moment is like a Ryan Phillippe ass shot. Oh, okay. Like, all the gays know I it. missed. I missed that yeah, part. Um, the, the look of, like, the look of pitied confusion no, on I your face. Like, like, you're speaking what? a different language. <laughs> but it's one of those things where, like, MASH was before my time, but I know MASH. Yeah, Everyone yeah, yeah. watched the MASH well, finale. You know, like, I mean, like, your dad must have watched MASH all the time. Yes. Yeah. Okay. He, rem- he remembers where he was during the MASH finale, him and like 15 billion other people. 100%. But yeah, Dallas is just one of those shows that's like in the, what do we call it? Like the pop culture. Zeitgeist. Zeitgeist, yeah. Back to Teresa. Remember how you had questions about the monuments? Like what kind of monuments? What kind of monuments? So we learned that she had book clubs. She was Red Hat Society. She just constantly, you know, socializing. You know, the Harkies were the somebodies in town. And, you know, I know Bonnie enjoyed that. She was also part of the Red Hat Society. What is that? What is that? Let's Google it. Okay. It's probably just like they make Here's food hoping. for 
sexy needy people. <laughs> needy, needy, sexy needy, needy, people. sexy people. The Red Hat Society. This is cute. Okay, good. So it's okay. It's not I, bad. We'll, we'll see. The Red Hat Society is a unique international playgroup for women that promotes our passion of fun, friendship, fitness, and freedom to express ourselves in positive ways and a dedication to the fulfillment of lifelong dreams gained through the power of fun. Okay, Bonnie. High energy. Yeah. <laughs> Join, connect, engage, and then play, they say on their website. Oh, my God. Upon joining, you you have to join. Okay. Upon joining the RHS, every member and queen is automatically included in our official worldwide RHS chapter. Everyone's a queen just for joining. Oh, my God. You know what they all are. Queens of the county. Queens, queens of, of the, the county. county. Oh, no. Oh, no. What? They just have one thing. No. We were so close. We were so close. Just, we were so I, close to joining a club I right should, after we finished recording. I shouldn't. This is a lesson when you keep scrolling. No, always keep scrolling. What? So it's like, why a play group for women? And it says Red Hatters Matter. We're not doing that. What I'm, does that mean? They're trying to do like Black Lives Matter, but co-opt no, it. No, no. Why would it be Red Hatters Matter? No. Why well, a play group for women? Because we find it, it's essential. Okay. All right. Well, I'm sorry, Red Hat Society. It's getting a garbage bee. You could have done You could have so, done so well. You could have done so well. I don't know why you had to include Red Hatters Matter. I know. That there's is, no need for that. There's no need for that. Well, it was fun while it lasted. It was fun what, while it lasted. What did we get? 42 seconds? I know. Of fun? <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things, everybody. We can't have nice things. So we learn there are roughly 200 acres to the Harkey spread, like the Harkey estate, with valuable water rights along the San Saba River, a rambling farmhouse, and nearly 3,000 pecan trees. Like, this estate is worth a lot of money. Right. So let's go back to 1963. This yeah. is kind of a big deal. So Bonnie met and married Riley Harkey. At the time, Riley was a recently divorced father with two boys. Bonnie, a single mom with a teenage daughter of her own. It was a coup, you know? It was a coup, especially for a, a single mother who was really looking at having to either find a husband or, or work for the rest of her life. In the early 60s, it was tough to be a divorcee. It was tough to be a single mother. They were both divorced, and Bonnie was a single mom. This was major news for 1963 Teresa Texas. calls it a coup. It was a coup for a single mother to, like, find a rich, handsome man <laughs> to, like, take her. Because Teresa goes, I mean, it was either she was going to have to get married or work for the rest of right. her life. Oh I was like, God. Teresa, sweetheart. <laughs> Does anyone have a pecan farm? I, <laughs> I could just skedaddle right up to. But, I mean, like, it's important to note that Riley, the one who marries her and saves her from her womanhood, <laughs> according to this document, yeah. Uh, has two sons. And so, like, the sons would obviously be the, quote, heirs to the pecan farm. Yeah. And that's going to get contentious down the road. Right. So now, like, Bonnie is missing. Yes. And then yet another person who was listening to the police <laughs> scanner calls 911 with, with a, a vital clue. And she calls about Bonnie's adopted grandson, Carl Presley. You know what? We can also just call him her grandson. Right. You know what I mean? Because I, I was like, wait, ad- adopted meaning, like, she just met him, like, a month a ago. A month and she ago, took no. Him in- no. Bonnie had a daughter who adopted this kid, Carl Presley, and so he then became Bonnie's grandson because that's how adoption works. That's how adoption works. And they just keep referring to him as the adopted grandson. Because I think they want to say that, like, Bonnie was the only person who really cared about this kid. Yes. And people were, like, Teresa the niece says that Carl was always, like, needy and clingy, but no one wanted him to cling to them, which which is is the most fucking devastating thing. Like, it's a perpetuating cycle. When you adopt a child from difficult circumstances. Now, I've got a lot of questions under which Carl was adopted. We are told that he was adopted from, quote, a homeless couple living in a car who were, quote, fine with him being adopted. They kidnapped this kid. Yeah, they said they couldn't raise him. And then Bonnie's daughter, Connie, 
adopted or like took him and raised Somebody him. Somebody show me the him. fucking paperwork. Because I don't know. This is all very fucking sketchy and weird to yeah. me. But and like he was a young kid. I don't think he was like a baby. I, I'm guessing he was somewhere between like four, four and eight or something. Yeah, something like that. And he was probably now. I'm speaking from experience. I'm a foster parent, and I re, I know these stories are true. Kids who come from circumstances like that can be difficult because life has been fucking hard for them and their kids. And so, like, we learn of this kid, Carl, that from the beginning, he was a super clingy and needed attention. And the adoptive parent didn't want to give it to him. They say nobody wanted him nobody. to cling to them. Yeah. This is so heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, it's really I sad. cannot fathom it. Why would you adopt a kid from desperate circumstances if you weren't going to try to give them every single thing they need? Yeah. What is happening here? And the thing is, you know who did? Bonnie. Exactly. Bonnie, the exactly. matriarch, did. Like, she did everything for Carl. She bought him everything. Like, even, we learned, like, even when Carl would fuck up, she'd always give him another chance. Yes. She'd buy Carl a truck, and he'd wreck the truck, and then she'd buy him another one. And um, he'd get a job, he'd lose a job. She'd house him. Um, he was stealing pecans from the, the harvest and selling them. I mean, she was constantly bailing him out of one situation or another, you know, giving him money. He would also steal the precious pecans. Right. And sell them on the black market or whatever because they're that valuable. I'm like, once again, when was the last time I used a pecan? Yeah. Well, or had any need for a pecan. 100%. Anyway. But, you know, Teresa is telling us this, this about Carl and Bonnie. As if to say, like, this fucking kid was so ungrateful. And, like, we hear some other really awful garbagey things. Like, he was abusive to her, yes. either verbally and or physically. Yes. No, I am not excusing any of that behavior. But this was a kid who came into your family in some weird way and had was, like, a, a troubled fucking kid. Mm -hmm. And no one did anything to make him better. Right. I, it makes me furious. Yeah, it's infuriating. And it's also infuriating that he would just lash out. Like, Teresa, the niece, is saying that Bonnie would have bruises on her arms. Yes. Like, someone was violently and forcefully grabbing her. Joshie is not happy. No, but throw this fucking this. guy in jail. Like, like, he's obviously garbage at 28 years old. He's a terrible person. Yeah. But, like, how did he get that the way? The circumstances of his life are just tragic all yeah. around. Yeah, So the tipster says, okay, here's what I have, because I've been listening on the police scanner, because it's better than Dallas and yeah. shooting JR or whatever. <laughs> Who shot JR? Do I don't know? remember. And then it was like, did anyone shoot JR? Because JR is alive in the is beginning. Is Patrick of the Duffy season. JR? I think more not. I'm not sure. I don't know either. Me either. Okay, well, it's not on. the Golden Girl, so I'm it's not a, really. Who cares? I'm not that invested. Who cares? <laughs> Teresa, the niece, says, I would not be surprised if Carl pushed her down the basement stairs. Given that history, it was understandable then that investigators' ears perked up once they learned that the last person to have seen Bonnie Harkey the day she went missing was Carl Presley, according to the tipster. Carl was with his girlfriend, Lillian King. They were riding in her car. Do you have any information on her vehicle? All I know is she's driving a 2004 Mustang. And she drives a 2004 Mustang. This is all coming from the tipster. Yeah, and so now Joshy starts doing this other thing that makes me crazy, referring to all of the cops in Texas as lawmen. He says lawmen 800 times. He's trying to do the Texas thing. But, like, some of them are not men. I know. You know what I mean? I know. I don't like it, Joshy yeah. Banks. I'd rather do Leo. Like oh. law enforcement officer? Oh, okay, I'd rather do great. that. We're doing that. Um, but he said soon every lawman in Texas was on the lookout for that car. Well, but now the cops are just texting Carl because yes. that's how often he's in trouble. They can just text him. And it's a small town and everybody knows him. And he's related to like the queen of the county. Queen, queen of, of the, the county. county. So he, like everyone knows him. And... You know, after right after midnight, they say Carl responds. He responds. He's like, hey, what's up? Hey, what's going what on? Need, uh, <laughs> he's in Norman G, Texas. And they're yes. like, okay, cool. So that's, uh, he's at an RV campground. And he promises the cops he'll show up to the sheriff's office. And you know what? What a twist he does. He does. does. He I was shocked by that too. And so, again, these these 
law people. Uh, they don't have the gizmos Pitt. and gadgets and gadgets of the big city cops. Gizmos and gadgets are plenty. <laughs> Who's it's and what's, what's it's galore. galore. So they have to improvise because they don't have gadgets and gizmos. Well, plenty. the reason Joshi is telling us this is because now that Carl has shown up for his interrogation, they don't have like regular cameras, so they have to turn the cop dash cam on the guy yeah. for his interrogation. Because they don't have a budget. That's what he's trying to say. Like, yeah. there's no budget for a camera. So they have to use, like, the dash cam. And okay. they're outside. They're outside, and he shows up in his Hamburglar costume. Well, he's we- he's wearing... He came dressed as the Hamburglar. He's dressed as the Hamburglar, also known as the as a prison uniform or yes. whatever, because his clothes were being tested. Right. So he he just looks like, when you're watching this, he just looks like a criminal because he has, like, the black and white striped Hamburglar outfit on. Yeah. And right away, there is some Something, so I couldn't tell if he was under the influence of something, mm-hmm. but he seems, he's walking funny and he's kind of like, it seems like you need to handle this interview with some kind of care. Yeah. Because he's either having a mental health moment or he's under the influence. of. He just isn't sitting and talking like a person who is there voluntarily. Right. Th- Yet which he, he showed he up. Yeah. yeah. Well, and he also has three different stories. So right. his first story is Carl and Lillian, the girlfriend, went to his grandmother's house, Bonnie. Yeah. First, he couldn't remember anything else right. than... And he suddenly starts to remember. He remembered how he took his grandmother out of the house to protect her from some tough guys he owed money to. The story is, is he to, to protect his grandmother, he picks her up in the evening and drives her to Rainy's Crossing, Rainy's Crossing, and drops her off in the in the bushes. An 85-year-old woman? Correct, yeah. So to protect her, he just dropped her off in a bunch of bushes. Like, I said, is there no Waffle House? Like, what? He, like, took her, literally, Josh, is like, he took her to, like, bushes. Yeah. And was like, Grandma, get down and hide. That's Remember, a lie. Remember, this, this is a lie. A lie. But even if that, like, it, like it's... She's an old woman with dementia. She like, has a caretaker. Exactly. So, like, that's... And, like, where, exactly. Right? So, they searched the location that he says he, like, left her in the bushes to protect her, and there's nothing. To which I was thinking, in the in instances like these, it must be so annoying to be a cop, because you know it's a lie, but yeah. you still have, you to, have go to go and go. fucking search. Right. So, his second story is that I missed my grandmother so much that I took her to my trailer in Normandy, which is where I just came from now. And Josh, she's like... Oh, my like, God. This is... Sad. Josh is like, yeah, right. He never missed anyone in his whole life. And I'm like, Josh. Josh, sometimes you get emotionally invested in the wrong places. He's so mad. I know. So they go up to where his trailer is and they're looking for Bonnie. And I'm like, do they expect her to just be sitting there just like in an old rocking chair in the woods, just like chilling? But you kind of don't know. Like, Like, it could be that. Yeah. And now story three is the truth. Which is, and we see Carl telling the cops this story, like, at the location where this story happened on like a body cam. Yeah. And so he tells the cop. I told her I wanted to show her a fishing hole down by the creek. And we went down there and stuff happened. Tell me what kind of stuff happened, Carl. It's hard, sir. That's going to be her. Right there. Right there. It's all right, Carl. 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 What? So we went down there and, quote, stuff happened. And the cops were like, but what stuff? What stuff? And Carl's like, well, let me just take you there. And yeah. he takes them there. And, like, there Bonnie is. Like, she's buried under sticks and leaves and she's dead. And you hear him going, I didn't mean to do it. I didn't mean to do it. Like He starts crying. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, 
so he didn't mean to, but at the same time, he admits to pushing her into the water and holding her head under the water. Like, what the fuck, Until Carl? she no longer moves. Like, Carl. I know. Now, the girlfriend, Lillian, has the same exact story. She already told it to the cops. Exactly. She was a witness, and she stood by, and she let it happen. And she was also there when the caretaker was killed, she right. tells the cops. And, like, she says, you know, look, I had to do anything he said. Carl could have killed me. He had three knives on him. I just did what he said. I just did what he said. You know... I don't know about her. Like, I don't know about her. You either. know what I mean? Like she's here. Josh, she really doesn't know. Josh, she really doesn't know. She's here for the interview. And the whole thing about this young woman is that she witnessed two murders. And like the thing about the grandmother is that like the murder started in one location and then moved three hours away and she was still alive. And this girl, mm-hmm. like, we'll get there when we get there. Yeah. She's a complicated character because she she I believe her that she was abused by this man. Yeah. And she was afraid of him. And yet she still could have stopped one or both of these murders. Right. And now the big question is like, wait, well, why would Carl do this? Bonnie gave him everything. Right. He was she was his only, the only person who really cared about him, even when maybe people would say she was being an enabler by just giving him a new truck and giving him all this money. Like, no one could understand why Bonnie was giving him everything. So why would he want to hurt her in any way? So now, to answer that question, we get the backstory of the decades-long Harky family feud. And it started the day Bonnie married her husband. Yeah, so... The husband, Riley, has two kids, Bruce and John. They're both pieces of shit. Because remember, Bonnie and her husband were both divorced. Right. So they were coming in. This yeah. was their second marriage. And this is where we encounter the thing that we encounter sometimes that makes me insane. Mm-hmm. When the children are spending the parents' money and it's not their money. When the, like, you know, the dad, Riley, obviously inherited this from like his ancestors. Right, but right, he's right. doing the work. He's running the farm. He's making the money. It is his fucking money. Yeah. And all the kids starting in their teenage years when this woman comes in, all they can think about is their inheritance. Them, They don't care about taking over the farm. No, they don't, they don't care shit. about working and keeping the family legacy strong. They just strong. want to do the fun stuff, which is spending the money. Exactly. And the thing that also makes me crazy is that like these two guys, Bruce and Johnny, they hated her. They yeah. hated Bonnie. They didn't like her at all. And so almost from the beginning, it was acrimonious. What form did that acrimony take? Bruce and Johnny were just rude to Bonnie, openly insulting her. And Riley put up with that? Let it go. He just let it go. And Riley, their dad and her husband, just let it happen. Like, he never tried to get them to be nice or just decent or respectful or not rude. Which made me really try to understand the situation here because Teresa was like, oh, it was so lucky for for Bonnie that she, as a single mom, married into this rich family and she got, like, it saved her and she got to be a woman around town and be, like, you know, live this fancy life. Riley, the dad, was obviously just looking for a person to come in and, like, make dinner and, like, run the family side. It was a business arrangement, it feels like. Especially because Riley never accepted Connie, Bonnie's daughter. Right. So, like, he never, he didn't give a shit. And, like, that's why he didn't tell his sons to be decent. Because he didn't care about being a family and everyone being together. And, you know, like, he agreed with them on some level. Exactly. So, and Josh, Josh goes, it's more like, it's more and more like the Ewings every day. And I'm like, what? (laughs) And I was like, what are the captions? It's another reference to Dallas. I know. Who are I the know. Ewings? Josh, the Ewings. That's J.R. Like that, Ewing. That's the family. Oh, I just knew him as J.R. I, I just knew him in the context of You barely of knew who, him at all. Who, I barely knew him at all. I just knew him in the, I didn't know he showed his butt or anything. Did he show his butt? I don't think he showed his butt, but it was just like Patrick Duffy taking a shower. He went on to play the dad in Step by Step. Correct. Right. I loved that show. Yeah. Josh, he also says, Riley, the dad, seems to have been better with pecans than with people. They don't Joshy. talk back, those pecans. That's true. You know what I mean? So John, piece of shit, son number one, became a businessman or whatever. Bruce had a lot of jobs. At various times, he was a cop in Reno, a Medicaid fraud investigator for the Texas Attorney General's office, and a nursing home administrator. Along the way, he married and divorced eight 
count them, eight women. Eight. Count them, eight, eight women. women. Thanks, Joshie. <laughs> um, so Riley is the husband, right? And yeah. here's, they explain his will. So in his will, Bonnie could live on the property as long as she was alive. And I'm like, thanks. Yeah. Uh, and when she died, the land would go to the boys. Right. And then there was like a little money left over for Connie, Bonnie's yes. son, and Carl, the like, quote, adoptive, like the guy who was kind of a troublemaker. Yes. Who killed her. Now, I want to say this is a perfectly reasonable arrangement. The woman that he was married to for 30-something years before he died gets to live on the property that's been in his family for generations right. until she dies. And then the sons will get the property. Right. Like, the majority of the inheritance goes to his sons. They like, just fine. need to fucking get a job and be patient. Like, because the, the sons don't want to work the land. They no. don't want to, like, keep the family farm going. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that they have to, but all they care about is the money. Just they hire just someone to money. do it. Right. Like Bruce Oliver, local pecan merchant, <laughs> who's here, who tells us that Bruce... Bruce, this piece of shit, was uh, Bruce is one of the sons. Yes. He said he was the uh, poorest millionaire in St. Zema County. He had no income coming in, and every time he drove by that property, all he could see was the millions, what he thought was millions that he was missing out on. He's missing out on millions because Bonnie is, like, taking up space on the land. Literally, he says, doesn't have the decency to die. Holy shit. Is what he actually says. And now Bonnie, meanwhile, is just living her life. She's getting older. She's frail. She has dementia. They say that she's susceptible to phone scams. I was telling you about this. I know. The fucking pieces of shit you have to be to run those phone scams. My mom would sometimes be... My mom took care of my grandmother in her, her later years, and... She would be there when my grandmother would get these phone calls and they would speak to these older people different. Like they could look up and see how old she was. She's 88, whatever. My mom felt, my mom gave thousands of dollars to one of these scammers. I mean, and my mom would say, my mom is like, you could hear them. They'd be like, hi, how are you? And they'd be extra, extra nice. And it's usually a woman to make it sound like, oh, I can trust this person. And it happens all the time. And they really prey on these people. It's it's, it's I can't believe it. My mom totally fell for one. So did she ever like, what happened with that? No, the money just, was gone. It was like like almost ten thousand dollars. This was like fifteen years ago. God, I know. And but the money was just gone. What did they tell her it was for? Student loans. Oh fuck. Which my mom went back to school when she was fifty to get her master's degree in divinity, uh... and like it was her dream come true, and she did it. And so so in addition to having to pay like thirty thousand right. dollars in student loans, she now lost $10, she lost $10, an extra. Oh, yeah, people are the I know. worst. I know. So Bonnie's first caretaker was her daughter Connie. Right. And Connie, we don't know how or what happened, but Connie dies in. 2012. To which I say, can we get, why are we going, are so, we fast? going so fast? Because where's that 11-year-old boy and mm-hmm. oh my God, the fucking caretaker who was just murdered. Like, right. th- this is too much, you guys. Like, Dayline, I know you do 90-minute episodes. Give yeah. us one of those. Because, here's why it's like, wait a second. So this whole story takes place in 2012. Yeah. Connie dies in 2012. Bruce, one of the sons who hates her, suggests that the deadbeat Carl should be the caretaker. Right. Are, did they do something to Connie to get one of these guys to be her caretaker? Because that was the other thing. If Connie died, the money that was left to her went to Carl. So maybe. Like, and a judge is like, no, 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 no. Like, we, no, we're taking this out of the family. Someone else needs to be the caretaker. There's like a hearing about it. Bonnie asked the judge if she could speak. And the judge said yes. And she said, I don't want them to be my guardians. I'm afraid of them. Her stepsons. Yeah. That had to be about the last thing Bruce and John wanted to hear. It delayed any inheritance, certainly. 
So the judge says no to Carl and Bruce and John, the idiot sons, are like, how about us? And they're like, no. The judge is like, have you heard a word I said? And I know. also like, please be nice to this woman. Can you imagine like. She's just an old woman. And, I, and I'm and i not I'm not being crass when I say this. Like, she's going to die pretty soon, you guys. Like, like, can you just go be nice? Go sit with her. Maybe she'll give you some of the inheritance of if you desperately need it or whatever. I'm just thinking like how helpless you must feel hearing this woman in a courtroom say, I'm scared of these people. I know. Please assign me somebody else. Like, what do you do with that information? It's, well, oh, what you it, like, do is you find Betty Ann Johnson, who was appointed to be the caretaker of Bonnie, and Betty and Betty Ann then hires Karen Johnson, no relation, yep. the woman, the caretaker who was murdered when the 11-year-old son called to say that he found his mom dead at the house. Right, from the beginning. Right. The, the 911 call that started this whole thing. This woman, Betty Ann Johnson, who was appointed, said that like the sons went to her and was like, we want to put Connie in a nursing home. And Betty Ann Johnson was like, absolutely fucking yeah. not. No, 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 no. There's also a financial advisor keeping an eye on Bonnie's money. So yes. Bruce and John weren't in charge of anything, which is great news, yes. right? And the finance guy is like, oh my God, Josh, I hated Bruce. He's a jerk. He, he calls him a solid jerk. I know. He was super greedy. Like Bruce is all about money. He's screaming at our finance friend. Right. Because Bruce, who's one of the sons waiting for Connie to die, has an offer on the table to sell half their land to their neighbor, Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones for $500,000. It's just like, Tommy Lee Jones, can you stay out of this for five like, seconds? Like, not just, now, Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> Can everyone just relax? Everything's moving very fast. But Tommy Lee Jones wants to buy half the land for $500,000. And the way that deal was structured was only fifty grand of it was going to go to Bonnie. And the other $450,000 was going to go to these idiot asshole sons. Right. And the financial planner's like, no, we're not doing we're that. We're not doing that. Also, get out of here, get Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones. Jones, please. Like, for the love of God. We don't have time for this right now. But I hope that Tommy Lee Jones would be, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter. It's none of his business. But what yeah. if, what, like, I just would wonder if he was just like, why only? 50 grand to Bonnie. I, I know, I'm sh- I know no. that that's not how I it works. I gotta tell you, Tommy Lee Jones does not seem like the nicest guy in the world. He doesn't care. He seems a little cranky. He seems a little cranky. He yeah. just wants an enormous farm in town. Like, he just wants to be alone. <laughs> you know what he wants? A fucking, a fucking backyard full of pecan trees. Yeah. That's what he wants. Yeah. But also, what must it be like to live in this little, like, this town doesn't seem fancy. It's Tommy probably Jones- one of his many homes. Yeah, that's true. Let's get real. Oh my God. It's Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> totally. Um, so the finance guy squashes the deal and Bruce goes nuts. The finance guy goes, oh, that's sentiment to orbit. <laughs> he just became irate. He starts yeah. threatening our finance friend. And so now we just like shift gears and we're back to Carl and Lillian because they're both in the county jail. Carl is the person who killed Bonnie. And Carl is admitting that he killed his grandmother, the only person who ever loved him and took care of him. Lily, the girlfriend, backs up the story. Yep. And he tells us what happened. So, the f- remember, she was killed on a Sunday because she it happened after church. The final decision to kill her was made, the like, Friday, two days before. And this is what Carl is telling the investigators. His uncle Bruce was broke. He couldn't wait any longer for his inheritance. He set me down on the bench. We gotta get rid of Bonnie. We gotta get rid of her quick. We're running out of money. Bruce says, I'll give you $500 if this happens right now, this weekend. If Bonnie dies, if Bonnie dies. I said, you're broke, man. And I threw a number out there like 250 so Bruce, the son, goes to Carl, the grandson, and says, I'll give you $500 to kill your grandma. Carl, the grandson, goes, oh, no, 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 no. I know you're broke. Let me give yeah. you a deal on that. I'll, I'll do it for 250 They start to argue. Bruce is like, no, not on my watch. No. Like, like how we do during the after parties. We were yeah. like, put that wallet away. 
100 paying for this round. Yes, yes. That's about a human being. Bruce is insisting on paying the full price of $500 to kill the grandmother. After a bunch of haggling, they finally agree. Bruce will pay 100 up front and yeah. then $150 after Carl commits murder I and know. kills the one person who tried to give him a good life and care about him. And like to back this up, we see surveillance video of Bruce going to an ATM. He withdraws 200 bucks. A half hour later, he's in front of Carl's trailer giving him the money. And the thing that's so crazy about this is Bruce is using Carl. Because Carl, who the family never loved him, nobody wanted him to be latching onto the them. The cops are on texting grounds. Like, they can text each other. He just is getting into trouble a yes. lot. He's a perfect scapegoat for All this. Carl wanted was for one of the uncles, anybody to like him. That's all he wanted. And Bruce knew that. Bruce used to, like, tell people how much he hated that Carl called him his uncle. But now he's going to him. He's being like, your uncle needs a favor. Yeah, please. Come on, I we're all family love you. here. Yeah, we're Fuck all family. That. Exactly. Fuck it. So, two days after Carl shows them Bonnie's body, Bruce is arrested and charged with murder. Yeah. Now, Bruce is very honest with the cops about yeah. a lot of things. When lawmen came to question Bruce in jail, he did not mince words. Bonnie was a poor, miserable, wretch of a human being. Okay. She didn't have to work in Rachel's together anymore. I didn't go out there and say somebody needs to kill her. I said, she needs to go. She was a miserable wretch of a woman. Yep. He is saying she needs to go. She needs to go. This is on camera during the first interrogation with the police. Yes. And he throws Carl, the one he hired to do the murder, throws Carl right under the bus saying, no, 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 no. Carl had his own reasons for wanting Bonnie dead. And this is where we find out that Uncle Bruce took such advantage of this kid, Carl, because he got Carl to sell him his future shares mm-hmm. in the estate at a huge fraction of, of what it was it's actually a bad deal. worth. He just takes advantage. The kid is desperate for money. He's probably got a, fra- he's got a piece of the estate that's worth, let's say, $200,000. Sure. And he gets it to sell him to him for like 25 grand. And so like Bruce is, you know, talking to the cops, like just talking shit about Carl and how stupid he is. He's like, would you really hire Forrest Gump to commit murder? He's right. trying to say like, Carl is too much of an idiot to do this. I would never, ever do this. But the thing is, when he got Carl to sell him the land, he only gave Carl a fraction of the money and said, I can't pay you the rest until Bonnie's dead. Right. Because that's when I'll get my inheritance. So Bruce is saying to the cops now, no, 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 no. He had incentive to go kill her because he needed the money from me, which I'm only going to get when Bonnie dies. And now Josh is here talking to this Bruce asshole. And Josh reminds Bruce that he was telling everyone who will listen. How many times in your life did you say, you wished Bonnie Harkey were dead? I don't know. Several. I mean... I can't give you a number. That's one of the reasons you're in here. I understand that. Okay. Because you said you wished she were dead, and then later she became dead. And then she became dead. <laughs> Josh, you got a real way with words, Megowitz. So, and, but Josh is trying to say, you were running your mouth about this. Yes. And now something horrible happened to Bonnie. You, forgive me for making a connection. And Bruce goes, Josh, no, 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 no. It's not a crime to wish death on someone. I, I wish people dead all the time, he says. I mean, it, it's true. He's you know like, what I mean? I'm not just a magical being who could wish somebody dead and then poof, they die. And Josh right. is like, that's not what I'm saying. And you know it. Right. <laughs> please, don't mince my, please don't twist my words I'm around. I'm Josh Mankiewicz. I understand that I am not Keith Morrison, but don't you dare. And how dare, how very how dare you. Dare how you. dare you. And then they just have I will get Tommy Lee Jones in here in a heartbeat. In a hot, in a hot second. <laughs> don't you dare. He's got nothing to do. He didn't get that land. I know. But, but then Josh and Bruce just like have a staring contest basically. I, because he's like, I, I can't just wish people dead. And Josh is like, well. I, but you did. But you did. But you did. 
And then they just stare at each other. So now we get to the trial, right? And we learn that Bruce was planting the seeds of an alibi for like a week before the murder. He would walk up to just a random person on the street. Hey, I'm going away this weekend. Don't even try to get in touch with me. I'm not going to be around. Hey, Tommy Lee Jones, I know we haven't seen each other since that time we that that, that deal fell through. I'm I'm letting you know that I'm out of town. I probably want to be back. Don't even look for me because I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be gone from Friday to Monday. Don't even think about it. Late afternoon Monday, Tommy Lee Jones. So don't even ask me to hang out. I feel like like everyone's like, wait, really? Can you not come back? We all hate you. I know. Are you really leaving? Like forever? Forever, ever? That would be amazing. And we learned that by the time of the trial that Carl had already confessed to his role in the murder of the grandmother and the caretaker. And the girlfriend, Lillian, also admitted to it too. So they're both going to testify against Bruce. It's not going good, Bruce. And like in exchange for lighter sentences, but Carl killed two people. Yes. Like lighter sentences. He's a double murderer. I know. I know. I, uh, like that really, like lighter sentences. And like, like all, which they don't get, by the way. So they don't get d- it. They don't get lighter sentences. But like this kid was taken from his parents at like three years old. I mean, like who knows? this guy's backstory is so tragic. Yeah. And so Lillian tells us what happened. Because we're going to finally learn what happened to the caretaker. Right. So Lillian is saying that like when the grandmother gets home, he... Carl texts Lillian to say, come distract the caretaker. So she goes to the front door. So I rang the doorbell because the door was open, but the storm door was closed. Um, Ms. Johnson came and answered the door. I was in the process of stepping in and closing the storm door when I see this flash. Inside the house. Coming from the den. So coming up behind Ms. Johnson. Yes. And I saw that it was Carl. And he was yelling at me to close the door, get in here, go in there with his grandmother. In front of Lillian, but behind Karen... Carl shoots the caretaker. Oh my god! Like in the head. Yeah, and like, she de- and that's why she was found dead in the doorway. So this is when Carl then walks the grandmother into her own bedroom, basically tells her that he's going to kill her by ugh. smothering her. She begs him to, that they, like to sit down and pray together. So they like she kneels to pray, and he puts the pillow over her head. This is when Lillian tells us there's a dude like somebody else rings the doorbell. Yes, and like startles Carl, and he gets scared and and like doesn't go through with it. That person leaves. We never find out who that was. That person leaves. But he decides to get his grandmother in the van and drive the three hours to his 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 the trailer RV. park in Normandy. All the way, the grandmother must be knowing that she's going to die. And all the way, Lillian is here as a witness. And Josh goes, how did you let that happen? Yeah. Like, and I know, I'm not trying to, like, victim blame here. Right. I think that it was a bad, but Josh is trying to say to her, like, so you were there in the whole, the the ride, too? Like, the, that three-hour drive? She's just saying, like, he had three knives. I had to do whatever he said. And, like, we don't know. We weren't there. Like, no. I'm sure that he's absolutely terrifying. I don't want to, I don't know. I don't I, but, know. But, but, but Lillian, same question. Like, uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't, I just don't know how we got here. Yes. How to, it's just, and but, like, but I, we don't know what we don't know. What's so the knows? reason for putting your grandmother, in, like, and torturing her with the knowledge that she's going to be killed as as soon as you get to wherever you're going. Because, like, I do think he's not good at this. Yes, I mean, obviously. And he wasn't doing it because he, like, he was doing it for money. It wasn't, like, a crime of passion. You know right. what I mean? Like, yeah. I just think he didn't think it through, and it's a horrible, tragic thing. So Bruce's lawyer comes in and is like, hold on a second. Yeah. We're going to believe Carl, who changed his story a bunch before involving Bruce in this whole thing. Like, is Carl even credible? But that's a fair question, because they say that... He gave numerous different descriptions of what the events were, how he did it, why he did it. And it was... Uh, and originally that he didn't do it. Well, right. I didn't do it. I did do it. And if I did do it, it was because of this. And finally, he names Bruce. Exactly. Sort of at the point where 
prosecutors and police are starting to talk about the death penalty. Carl had three different stories. Mm -hmm. He only brought Bruce's name in when the cops started dangling the death penalty. So I don't know. And like, I got to tell you, Bruce is a piece of shit. But when we were like listening to his interrogation and his conversation with Josh, I was like, I don't know. The guy's making some points. Yeah. He's also telling everyone that he hates Bonnie and she doesn't have the decency to die and he hates her. He's trash and I want him to stay in jail for forever but Bruce is the one that's saying like why would I hire somebody to kill her when like it's her death is just around the corner that's a horrible crass awful thing to say and he very well could have done it right but like I understand why the lawyers don't necessarily think this is a slam dunk well here's another question for Bruce yeah let's talk about that other murder (laughs) you were involved in (laughs) or attempted murder yeah one of his Eight ex-wives. Ten years earlier, he tried to kill, quote, one of his many ex-wives. It was not successful, we should point out. That murder did not happen. But, like, the fact of the matter is that he's done this before. Right. And he was screaming all over town, and then he was trying to do this alibi. Like, come on. And that's when his own attorney is like, yeah, that's really, really bad evidence against us. Yeah, no shit. You know, because he's saying that, like, look, some of it was was going well. It was looking good. But as soon as you put, like, this information that he's done this before in front of a jury, forget it. Forget it. Everything goes out the window. It took the jury only one hour to reach a guilty verdict. Bruce Harkey received a life sentence, as did Carl Presley. Lillian King was sentenced to 45 years for her role in the murders. Bruce and Carl get life sentences. Yeah. Remember how Carl was supposed to get a lighter sentence for testifying? He did not. Lillian, I don't know how that works. If you're you're testifying in exchange for a life sentence, I'm not defending any of these people. I'm really just asking about the logistics of it. If you testify in exchange for a lighter sentence and then the person that you testify against gets like the full life sentence. Uh-huh. Then does, doesn't that mean you did a good job? I, I yes, I, I, agree. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Lillian got forty five years for her part, and she's devastated about it. And I don't know, Lillian. I really like this was a thirty six minute episode, so I can't really. We didn't get enough of any of it. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I have questions. Like I have questions. Yeah. She just says like I kick myself every day. She's real. Like she's crying to Joshi, yeah. and it's like really upsetting. And then it ends with us seeing that the Harky Orchard, the thing that. This, all of this murder and death was all I about know. just falls into disrepair. Yep. Nobody takes care of because it. Because Bonnie wasn't there to take care no, of it, and no Josh says. But I'm like, wait a second. And this is a, not even Tommy a joke. Tommy Lee Jones could have swept in. But that's my question. Like, did nobody get any money in the end? Like, did nobody go to Tommy Lee Jones and say, like, you can have the land for $500,000? Right. Like, and that that's what makes me crazy the most is that nobody cared about the farm. Nobody cared. It was just about the money. Yeah. As soon as Bonnie died, the, 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 the farm that's been in this family for seven generations just it's dies. It's just and done. And no one's living in the fancy house. Like, what? How, where's the other brother? I don't know. I, Lots of questions. He's at Tommy Lee Jones' house. I mean, I mean one of his many. Yeah. Oh, girl, we did Dateline. Queen of the county. Queen, queen of, of the, the county. county. Uh, <laughs> what's the next um, Dateline that we're doing? It's Mystery and Mustang. It's Ooh. a very, very classic old one that's been like updated and re-aired a bunch. Oh, wow. Um, and someone takes her top off in an oh. investigation. Oh, so. And it's not me. She Sorry, fam. Right it's, not me. it's not me. I wish it was. It's not me. All right. We love you. Stay <laughs> tuned for the trailer for that. We love you. Okay, Stay we love tuned you. for the outtakes. We'll see you later. Happy uh, autumn, everybody. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Oh, my God. A fire chief murdered. His wife, the only witness. This detective knew them both. She started telling me about a young man coming into their home and shooting Keith. Her job now, solve this crime. And clue number one was a doozy. She said that after his shot, Keith, he turned to her and said, you know, I'm sorry, ma'am. I'm sorry? A killer who apologized? And that was just the start. A gun stashed in a dryer. A man's glove, but whose DNA? 
A woman with a whole lot to reveal. No, 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 no don't, don't pick don't. it up. She tossed her top to me. She just whipped it off. I was shocked. 